Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This, Steve, is my favorite Bob Dylan song. I think it's about a boxer. I didn't realize you had a favorite. It's the only one I knew. The Hurricane. They, they, they made a movie about him. Yes. They, uh, the song's eight minutes long. If you want to just play it, we can go home. No, we've got a, we've got a guest to get oh. to. And, and he is with us now. Uh, as I mentioned, former student Coaching of mine. Tree. Now the uh, Brooklyn Nets beat reporter for Clutch Points, Eric Slater, joining us here on the show. Eric, great to have you on again. How, how are you today? I'm good, man. Always good to hear from you. Yeah, good to hear from you as well. We've, we've got a lot to... What? What, Paulie? How was Steve... What was your grade in Steve's class? Um, I think I might have cleared an A in that one. I'm, not, I'm not sure, there but if I remember correctly. The good ones... The most Most of the... I, I almost oh, got myself in trouble there. No, you did. No, no, no. I said I caught myself. <laughs> I, I caught myself. It's possible to be a good one and not get an A, as we know, with Tyler. Tyler Rocky got a B plus, and he won't let me live it down. Anyway, Eric, uh, let's uh, let's get on to to why we're having you on, and that is uh, you know the the, the Kyrie trade talk. Um, I, I guess let's start with just your impressions of when you found out about the trade. You know, he requested one; it didn't take long for them to move him. He, he's heading to Dallas. Yeah, you know, you always knew that there was a possibility that Kyrie could eventually be moved at the deadline because last summer the Nets showed clear hesitancy to commit to him on a long-term deal, and then they had to suspend him two weeks into the season for post-linking to an anti-Semitic film. So, you know, once he requested the trade, that was a clear sign to me that they did not want to be in business with him past this season, and they were going to look to get something for, uh, in return for him on the trade market. All right, so he's uh, off to Dallas. Before we get back into the Nets, how, how do you think that's going to work with Luka? You know, Luka needs the ball in his hands. Kyrie, you know, can can play without it in his hands, but I think he would much prefer the ball in his hands as well. How do you think those two are going to coexist? I actually, I mean, if Kyrie can stay on the floor, I actually do not have really any concerns about their fit alongside one another. For some reason, there's a little bit of this narrative that Kyrie can't play off the ball. He's done it alongside KD. He's done it alongside Luka. He's a career 40% three-point shooter. So, you know, if teams are going to try to double Luka, which is honestly the only way, one of the only ways to try to stop him, I think that giving the ball to a guy like Kyrie who can score from just about anywhere on the floor, I think that that's a really nice one-two punch if – you know, everything can stay peachy off the floor there. All right, back to the Nets now. Uh, what do you think of the package that they got, uh, you know, in, in, in return for Kyrie? I thought they did very well for themselves. I mean, if you zoom out and just take a look at, you know, what they're giving up, I think it you can't help but be disappointed just because you're giving up a player who, when he's on the floor consistently, is probably a top 15 talent in the NBA. But we're talking about a guy in Kyrie who had virtually no value over the summer. The Nets gave him, you know, the green light to go seek sign and trades, and really nobody came to the table. And then he was suspended early in the season. So for him to have a really, really successful two month stretch where he could build that value back up and the Nets could get two, you know, legitimate rotation players plus draft equity back for him, I think that they 
are very, very happy with the return that they got there. And I think it gives them a little bit of flexibility moving forward to parlay that into some other things to bring back to help out KD if they choose to do so. All right, that's where I was going next. What What is next uh, for this franchise in terms of, you know, what moves do you think they're, they'll be looking to make? Um, and, and how does, you know, KD factor into that whole thing? I mean, it's all about him, right? Keeping him happy. And I mean, what what do you think is their next move? Well, I think if you look at it, obviously, you know, with Kyrie going out the door, the thing that they need most right now is they need some more scoring behind KD. So there's, you know, a few different targets I think they could look into. I've, there's been numerous reports that they're talking to the Toronto Raptors. They actually tried to expand the Kyrie trade into a three-team deal uh, prior to it being made official so that they could use the guys they acquired. Now that that deal has been made official, they, can, they can't package those guys, but um, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, two guys that the Nets have a lot of interest in. And the Raptors are said to be extremely high on Nick Claxton, the Nets center who has broken out this year. So if they were to make a deal for Siakam, it would likely require Nick Claxton. I'm skeptical that the Nets are willing to make, uh, to pay that price. They could also look at, like I said, OG Ananobi, who there's an extremely competitive market for right now. So those are two guys that they, could be looking at and if they can't get a deal done for two of those guys they could pivot to some other guys but i think getting a score and giving kd some help and not having him look around like what's around me right now is definitely a priority ahead of the deadline which has been reported by a lot of different sources you know eric we look at what cam thomas has done you know back to back 40 plus point games do you expect him to emerge as a star in this league with Kyrie gone, or, or at the very least, do you look at him as being one of the the better players on this Nets team, or um, is this just kind of a you know a fluky week that he that he's having right now? I definitely wouldn't call it a fluky week. I mean, we're talking about a guy in Cam Thomas who, if you followed his career, you know he can score the ball. He led all freshmen in scoring during his only season, LSU. His first two years in the summer league, he led the league in scoring both times. So this is a guy that can put the ball in the basket. I think, you know, he's had a little bit of a tough time getting minutes because he's playing a complementary role alongside KD and Kyrie to this point, which kind of neutralizes his best you know, skill, which is scoring the basketball. But I think if he can get his three-point shot to fall, which he's been doing you know, better than he has, ever has before in these last two games, there's no reason that going forward that he can't have, you know, he has star potential in this league just because of the way that he can score the basketball. And I think that if he can develop that three-point shot and really just be able to score from everywhere on the floor pretty much, I think he has a really good chance to be successful with the Nets or wherever he ends up. All right, so a uh, couple big-picture questions before we let you go. It's not a matter of uh, if, it's a matter of when with LeBron, right? He's, he's either going to break the record tonight. More likely than not, he's going to break it Thursday against Milwaukee, uh, the, the all-time scoring record. For you, is, you know, and, and I realize you're a, a younger generation than, than me and Paulie, do you look at LeBron as, as the best NBA player in the history of the league? I mean, it's, you know, like you said, it's difficult for me to say because I never watched Jordan play in person. I've watched, you know, a ton of rewatches of his games and stuff. In my opinion, it's still Jordan, but I mean, it's, you can't, I feel like you can't make an argument that it's not 1A, 1B right there. And then there's a lot of other players like Kareem, obviously, who he's passing that, you know, I don't think get enough shine as they should. But I think that, you know, what LeBron's doing at age 38 right now. You know, it hasn't been done since Kareem did it, you know, when he was 
probably the best player when the Lakers won the finals in his age 38 season. So to see him passing Kareem, who's supposed to be in attendance when he does it, I just think that that's a really, really cool development. And I think that this just says something about LeBron's consistency over you know, what has been a 20-year span. It's really just unbelievable. It is remarkable what he's done. Said he didn't want to do it at the free throw line. Wants to wants to do it, you know, with a fadeaway or a Duncan transition. Said he doesn't want to do it on a free throw. Uh, again, it'll either happen tonight, more, more likely than not, uh, he'll pass Kareem on Thursday night. And I guess lastly, Eric, uh, who you got in terms of if you had to, you know, make a wager right now or, you know, somebody said, all right, who's, who's your favorite to win the NBA title? Who, who is it in your mind right now? Right now, it's got to be the Boston Celtics just because of, you know, when you look at their roster that they've put together, they're headlined by, obviously, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, two wings who can defend, who can score from anywhere on the floor. Then they have a back line of Al Horford and Robert Williams, two guys who are unbelievable with one of them as a spacer. And then you have guards who can all play defense like um, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon. You throw in another guy like Grant Williams. They're just such a well-rounded roster that can guard anybody and can score the ball in so many different ways that I really think that they're the overwhelming favorite right now with the Milwaukee Bucks who are on an out tear with Giannis, I think averaging 42 points per game over his last two weeks. I'd say that they're really coming on. And if Chris Middleton can stay healthy, that's going to be an unbelievable rematch of last year's second round. So I'm going to go Boston 1A, Milwaukee 1B. Yeah, uh, Giannis has been unstoppable of late. You're right about that. And, uh, you know, Eric, as we get you out of here, uh, first of all, it's great to, to hear how well you're doing. Where can people find your work if they, if they want to check out more? Yes, you can go to clutchpoints.com to find all of my articles. You can also follow me on Twitter at Eric Slater underscore. And I'm also hosting a podcast right now with the Believe Podcast Network called Believe in Nets. So if you guys go on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the streaming platforms, you're able to find all my work there. All right, Eric, keep up the great work. Continued success to you, and hopefully we can talk again soon. Definitely. Appreciate you guys having me on. All right, Eric Slater, uh, Brooklyn Nets beat reporter for Clutch Points. And with that, we'll hit our final timeout. We'll wrap things up right after this on ESPN Radio.